Welcome, everyone, to Just the Nerds podcast. I am your host, Chris, and we also have Nick. Hello, everyone. Uh, this week, we thought we would take you to the dungeon. Insert lewd joke here much? <laughs> With the Dungeons & Dragons movie coming to us on March 3rd, 2023, and the recent games that we are currently running in our Discord channel, we thought this might be the time to talk on this subject. We also have a special guest with us today, Brian Allen, formerly known as Coffee Cola, who is our current dungeon master for the games that we are running in our Discord. Hey, guys. Brian Allen, formerly Coffee Cola. You'll still always be coffee to me. I don't know if I'll ever break that habit. I yeah, I, I'm pretty I know. Pretty sure. Yeah, just, just a couple minutes ago, we were talking, and I was like, coffee. Oh, wait, Brian. So <laughs> <laughs> I think we both did that. The yeah. community will always know me as Coffee, whatever my username may be. Very true. But yeah, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, your background. My professional background is in media, media production. Um, I was a DJ for a short while. I was not a good DJ. It's why I don't, I'm not a DJ today. But I uh, always excelled at production. If, if there's anything media related, I have probably at least I have at least dipped my toe in it at some okay. point. And um, I, I have always been a nerd. Uh, I am one of those D and D players who grew up always wanting to play D and D, but never having anyone to play with. You know. Yeah, that's been a big issue for me as well. Was not having the people around. I've played right, but. You just need to be in the right group, dude. That's what I keep hearing. I, t I keep reminding him of that. I know. So my first D&D experience uh, was as a dungeon master, actually. And it was toward the end of high school. I was 16 or 17 at the time. And uh, it was with my little brother and my cousin. We, we had a game going for a short while and we never completed it. And I was just kind of making it up as I went. You know, I didn't know all the rules, but I, I had the basic concept at the time. You know, it was cool. It, hmm? Isn't that the true essence of the game, though? It's so it's essentially a very moldable game to suit not only the dungeon master, but the players more so. Yeah, especially in later history, the later iterations of the game, it has really gone that way. And I think they, they finally figured out that's where what makes the game so great is that it, it, you know, in previous uh, iterations of the game, it was much more rules heavy. You know, you had a set of rules and it was more structurized. But they found, they realized finally that what made this game so much fun is that there is so much uh, opportunity for storytelling and role playing in it. And the rules can be more malleable. Uh, to suit the uh, to suit the particular group of players and to, to suit the table and the story that you're you're running. So over the last 10, 15 years, it has really trended in that direction to where now we have fifth edition. It is a very malleable system. It's the greatest edition of the game uh, to date. Okay, so one question that I know me and Chris both have because we're both Dungeons and Dragons noobs. I don't know if that's the mm -hmm. word for it, but how long has the game actually been around? First published in 77, so that is 48 years. Okay, so it wasn't due to 
the recent popularity that it's gotten from Stranger Things then. No, no, but that has been a great boon to this game and to the hobby in general. I mean, you know, Stranger Things is responsible for bringing a lot of people into the game, you know, over the in recent years. Yes, it def- I can definitely agree with you on that, especially with this past season where they go through the Hellfire Club and mm-hmm. I'm seeing more and more people have the wearing those t-shirts everywhere that I never would have pictured them as players, but hey, you never know who it is until you actually get them around the table and play. Dude, you never know, man. I mean, as a matter of fact, I heard a podcast recently where they interviewed a an actual four-star, a retired four-star general from the U.S. Army who had been a D&D player all his That's life. That's awesome. An actual four-star general. You know, you never know who is who you may find at a table where they come from, what their interests are. Yeah, that's so cool. Yes, you do get, you know, the stereotypical neck beard, you know, nerds who live in their mom's basement. Yes, there are those, but that stereo, that is very, very much a stereotype. It does not represent the entire community. Okay, so how long have you actually played the game? All right, so on and off over the years. So I was 16 or 17 when I had my first game again as um, just because of lack of people available to play with over the years. You know, I played on and off ever since then with gaps of like five years or so in between games. And I'm 47 now. So I've been playing for 30 years, I guess, on and off. That's a long time. So what do you like better, being a DM or being a player, or are they about the same? Like, I briefly had an experience playing my first game, I would probably say two, three years ago, and I tried it. Maybe, like you guys say, I might not have had the best DM. I think it was more of having another player that I didn't really care for, but I can't really say, and I don't want to throw anybody under the bus or anything, but I didn't really like it. I liked the idea of the game. So what do you, what do you think? Do you like being a DM or a player more? Uh, that's for me. That is a tough question to answer. I mean, for me, I would say both equally because on one hand, you know, as a player, you are uh, going on an adventure and you're figuring things out and solving problems along with your uh, your party members the other players at the table but then as a storyteller i've been a storyteller in my life you know i've written lots of short stories i've been a writer longer than i've been in DD, right and i love telling stories and as a dungeon master i like creating a story building a world creating characters and uh helping the my the players at my table to experience the story and this adventure and build the story along with them so i i really couldn't tell you which i prefer i enjoy both roles i do both sides of the makes table, total I sense enjoy it. uh so yeah i've i've only experienced the player's side but i'm kind of looking towards the dungeon master side of things just i want to try a one-off and We'll see how it goes in the near future. I wanted to take the opportunity to discuss with you, since you are the current Dungeon Master of both games that we're running through our Discord channel, and the link will be available to the listeners so they can find us. But I want to give a brief overview of the story, if that's okay, of our current games that we have going. All right. 
Uh, both parties are currently full, and we do have future games planned, but I wanted to touch on these to get maybe some new potential members excited for things to come. Sure. Uh, so we have this unnamed Spelljammer game. There's no name yet for that Not one? yet. It, I'll come up with something at some point. I'm having a hard time coming up with that, but yeah. Spelljammer. Uh, that's an exciting one. Spelljammer is a uh, is a campaign setting for D&D that was released, I think, in 1982 uh, during the uh, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons era long time ago. And uh, it's basically dungeon D&D in space. It's high fantasy, sci-fi, and, uh, you know, you're wandering through space in different dimensions and universes and such, and flying ships, space whales, and all manner of other creatures. It's, it's, it's wild. So without giving too much away, are you able to kind of briefly touch on the storyline you have planned for this campaign? For Spelljammer? Um... Uh, what I can tell you right now is it is focused around a group of freelancers, as they like to, as they prefer to call themselves. They do not like the term pirate or privateer. They sell their services to whoever would be willing to pay them a decent price for their services. And, you know, it doesn't matter what they're doing. They might be mercenaries. They might be treasure hunters they, or couriers. They may engage in some piracy or privateering here or there, but basically... That's what it's uh, focused around. I cannot give a whole lot away plot-wise right now without spoiling anything, unfortunately. No, I wouldn't want you to do that. It is going to, uh, I will say that it will have a wide variety of different characters and races and such. It uh, will be wild. It will be crazy. It will be schlocky. It will be... Uh, <laughs> It's going to be a wild time, and it's uh, it's going to go places that y'all are not going to see coming. Well, I can't wait to see feedback from the players in our Discord channel to, that they give you after the f we're on session one starting on Sunday this That's week. That's right. For that session. That's right. All right. Now, uh, how about our other game, Celestru Celestial Crusade? So, Celestial Crusade. Tell us a little about that one. Can we can we touch on the Compass Star a little bit first? Celestial Crusade is being hosted in a separate server from Just the Nerds. The reason behind this is it's kind of a pet project of myself and Brian, but it's essentially going to be a living realm of different D&D &D campaigns going on. Uh, essentially one world with several parties and several DMs all creating a story around the same, same realm essentially. To gain access to that server, you must first be part of the Just the Nerds community. Uh, right now, it's only being test run with, I think we have six party members in the current party for Celestial Crusade, right? We have five, uh, okay. but at some point we do... We, we have a couple of people on hand to come in for little guest appearances to run like uh, special uh, characters or NPCs or something like that. But the, the main party itself, we have five plus me. Okay. But yeah, the long-term plan is to grow that world. So we'll have another second. We'll have a second DM once we decide who that's going to be and who we would like to invite for that job. They'll come in hell have a baseline story to go off of from the celestial crusade campaign and they'll be able to start their own campaign within the same map same world maybe a different time period that's going to be an open option to them as well yeah 
the uh, the idea of this world that we're creating is uh, as we play these games, we are writing the lore of this world that and there will be different time periods focused on uh, other parts of the world that we're playing in. Uh, this is what happens in the sessions will essentially be canon for the, uh, you know, the lore of this world. Yeah. Even as new of a player as I am, I'm excited to see where this goes. It sounds pretty interesting. I am too. Uh, I, I love the idea here. So let's uh, let's go back to the Celestial Crusade. Can we get a little bit of the storyline for that campaign to give a little yeah. bit of background on that? Yeah, so the Celestial Campaign is the inaugural campaign for this project. And basically what it is, is I have created a world takes place on the world of Kalea. And a, the first campaign, the Celestial Campaign, is taking place on a large continent that exists, sits on the uh, southern hemisphere of the planet. And where the games, where the campaign opens is an, an empire called Hestia, which occupies roughly a third of this continent. And on the uh, border, the border region of the uh, empire is called the Far Reaches. And so the whole thing opens in the uh, capital city and then starts quickly starts moving out toward the far reach. Uh, the idea is what's happening in the story is there is a paladin who has gone insane and fallen into religious zealotry. He, he's taken to raiding and sacking towns and villages and small cities at random. They don't know what his intentions are. They don't know why he's doing it, but what they just, the emperor is very worried about what's going on. He has recruited a, a party of new recruits to the, the Imperial Guard. The reason they're new recruits is because this paladin, Ruhan, we'll just call him Ruhan. So this paladin, Ruhan, is formerly a uh, high-ranking officer in the Imperial Guard. He has since left the Guard several years back, and so they brought in a team of highly skilled uh, new recruit to infiltrate Ruhan's uh, Ruhan's orders uh, his ranks infiltrate Ruhan's ranks and try to discover what his intentions are what his motives are and find a way to stop so in this game right now there's a lot of uh, there the players are doing a lot of investigating now what's the word for spy work um, espionage espionage thank you so there's a lot of investigation happening. There's a lot of espionage. The first por portion of the game is going to be very espionage heavy, but eventually it will grow to out outright warfare, uh, you know, as the game progresses. Uh, the, our players had just recently found out that the gods on the ethereal plane and, you know, astral plane are very concerned for some reason or also concerned about the threat that Ruhan poses. Uh, that's all I can mention about the, the actual campaign itself right now, but it, it's going yeah, well, very I, well. I wouldn't want to give away too many spoilers because I'm sure some of our listeners actually play in that game. So I don't want them to give in, get any hints on what's coming up. Right. Um, I do want to ask you though, I did notice in the creation of this world, there was a lot of very in-depth things like you guys even came up with this or working at least working on a system of time in mm -hmm. essence like how long it takes the world to go around the sun or the what it's the star that it's going around you guys took this pretty deep didn't you uh so i get really involved in world creation 
And uh, when so the this whole thing, you know, with the far reaches and all, this actually came from a campaign that I had written uh, a while back and that I never got to play. But the um, what when you approached me about this uh, project, you know, the Cup of Star, I uh, was like, you know what, I've got this campaign that I've been sitting on for a long time. I could easily convert that into a, a campaign setting. And as I did, the world just blossomed in my head, right? You know, uh, this planet is roughly 50% larger than our Earth is. Uh, it is orbited by two moons. It's got a thin ring system that is only visible under certain circumstances and at certain times of the year. It It's... Uh, orbit around its star is slightly longer than ours, giving their their years roughly 425 days, and uh, they have longer seasonal periods, more extreme weather and variation. Yeah, the, so, this has definitely been an in-depth experience to get this world created. I know it took us a few months to just work out the bugs and kinks of getting the Discord operational. But I'm excited yeah. to see where it goes now that we've got it finally up and running stably at this point. The uh, yeah, and I mean, like I said, I really get into dun uh, world creation and character creation. That's uh, that is what to me really. These are details that really flesh out a story, you know, and, and make it exciting to to base my my stories in. It's a it, it's a it makes the world more real. It, it makes me more excited to write stories and create characters that exist in this world that has that much detail. Definitely. So one question that I just thought of is, with all your experience as a DM, as a storyteller, if a player approached you tomorrow and they asked you, what qualities does it take to... To be a good DM, what would you tell them? Well, you it would be good to have at least a, a a working knowledge of the rules. You don't have to know every rule in the book. You don't have to be a freaking Dungeons and Dragons encyclopedia to be a, a you know a good dungeon master. One thing that is really good is to be able to come up with something that you didn't expect uh be able to you know improvise a way to work with it good improv improvisational skills are very important in my opinion um i mean like with our current group of players uh, in the celestial crusade they have thrown so many curveballs at me this is the most random group that i have ever <laughs> i've ever played with i did not they have they have thrown me off track so many times and they've given me such a challenge but it's been great it's been so much fun and uh you know that's gonna happen the thing about being a dungeon master is you have to keep in mind that your players are not going to follow the story as you have it written so uh, be prepared for that. No, of course not. And from the experiences that I've had so far where me and you have been players in another campaign, you already know that 
I'm going to try and derail that DM if I can do it. Uh-huh. But, uh, yeah, so to kind of clarify what we were just talking about is you don't necessarily have to be a Matt Mercer of Critical Role in order to DM a campaign as long as you have a basic working knowledge of the game. Right. In fact, uh, that that is a, a, actually a very good uh, thing that you touched on there, Matt Mercer. One thing to keep in mind is what you see, if you're image of what a good D&D session looks like is based on what you see in Critical Role or Roll20 or, you know, other things like that, then you're going to go, if you go into a, your uh, another D&D campaign, you may be really disappointed. Because while they are good, you know, Matt Mercer is a great DM. And, uh, I would love to, I'd like to think that I could be a DM like that someday. But you got to keep in mind that this is not typical for a D&D session. What you see on Critical Role is not typical. No, it's definitely not typical. Uh, there are long periods of exposition. There are periods, uh, the, there are pauses in the gameplay where you have to double check the rules or you have to take a bathroom break or... Or something like that. Uh, there, are, an argument may break out at the table, or something. Uh, you, there are tangents that players go on. Uh, there are pe- players who, and dungeon masters who don't get real heavy into role play. If you go into it thinking this is going to be critical role, I'm going to have my own critical role experience. You're going to be very disappointed. Because that is not what a typical D&D session is. Yeah, that I can definitely agree on. Uh, Chris, you've been uh, a little quiet in this part, but I know that it's because your knowledge of D&D is a little lax in comparison to mine and Brian's. Correct. Was there any questions that you might have for Brian? No, actually, I was... Yeah, no, I haven't really thought of any yet. Nick's pretty much touched on some of the ones that I was actually going to ask. No, at the moment, I, I really don't have anything and I can't think of anything. Thanks for putting me on the spot. <laughs> well, I got to make sure you're still awake over I am. There. I mean, I am dozing off a little bit. It, 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 I'm, I am tired. But no, it's been really interesting to to hear the perspective of somebody that's been playing the game for as long as Brian has and being a DM for as long as Brian has. And just hearing like about the, the two games that uh, Just the Nerds is currently hosting with Brian and compass star it's yeah it's it's really cool to just listen one thing one thing i'd like to add regarding compass star and the world of kalea and the celestial crusade that one reason i that i am so very excited about this campaign is this is not just a singular campaign that i'm writing this is a saga it is going to, at this point, my current plan is that it will encompass, it will span over five different uh, time yep. periods in the history of Kalea. There are currently five campaigns in the works for this saga. Yep, and that's what I was kind of pr- trying to portray to our listeners here on the podcast that eventually the way I'm picturing the server to go, and I know you kind of feel the same way is 
we're not quite going to get to a critical role level where we are having paid people that are making essentially our scripts or where the story is going to go. We don't, we're not going to have that kind of thing right now, Mm -hmm. but long-term we want to create a world that is sustainable so that any new DM that wants to try and run a campaign in this world will be able to look in the history and all the notes that we have for the DM section and they'll be able to create their own story for their very own party. Eventually we could end up with two parties in the same realm that they could all be in one session kind of thing for just as a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, Chris? Um, I have no idea. Like they do with the Flash and the Green Arrow. Like crossovers? Yeah, like a crossover. That's the word I was looking for. So yeah, we want to make it so that there's potential to have crossovers between uh, different parties as a possibility. That'd be kind of cool to watch. Or characters that Mm -hmm. have... Or characters that maybe pop in for one campaign and then they decide to go off on their own adventure for a little while. They return, come back, and want to join in for a different campaign. There, it even makes for the possibility that if your character dies, you could return and return with your same party with a brand new character. Yeah, yeah. So absolutely. there's just endless possibilities, and I'm excited to see the future of where the Compass Star is going to take us. It's a very exciting project. Uh, it's one that I am very, very uh, excited to be a part of. And uh, thank you so much, Nick, for approaching me about this and including me. In There's that. nobody that I probably would have trusted more with this because, as you know, I mentioned a couple times in this podcast that I am a noob when it comes to D&D, so I have absolutely no Dungeon Master experience. Uh, mm-hmm. But I did, however create all the systems for the discord, got all that set up, got everybody in place, ready to go for session zero. And now we're on session. What session are we on now? Uh, session six is this session coming, six Tuesday. coming this Tuesday. And there were some bumpy roads there to get all the bugs fixed, but now we've got everybody working and everything seems to be running smooth in the future. We'd like to start streaming <laughs> the campaigns once we get all the party members approval, I was course. actually just going to ask that question. Currently, the uh, consensus right now is to keep it uh, private and not streamed at this point. Uh, everyone involved knows that we do want to start streaming it at some point. But right now, uh, you know, we're keeping it offline and off the air. Yeah, and I respect that. I, like I said, it's so some of the campaigns within the server there's a possibility that they could be streamed but anybody who joins a campaign in that server will be asked if they're okay with it ahead of time because we do understand that not everybody right. is a twitch streamer or youtube personality or even tiktok for that matter with how quickly that's been growing lately so not everybody wants to be out there in a public sense so we understand that and we want to make sure that Everybody is comfortable before that happens. Right. Um, Right. So I guess one final question I do have before we start to wrap things up for this episode is back to just 
D&D topic in general, what things are you excited for with the future of the game, Brian? The future of the game. Okay. I, so I, I do have thoughts about the future of the game right now. I mean, for one thing, like I, like I said before, D&D finally figured out what it, it took them 40 years, but they finally figured out what made their game so great. And they lean more into the storytelling and role-playing aspect of the game. You know, whereas before it was much more rules heavy. It's not so much rules heavy anymore. It's more storytelling and role-playing uh, focused, which is great. That's what makes this hobby so much fun. That's where this hobby is fun. Uh, yeah, there are people who enjoy the, the crunchier systems. There are crunchier systems out there like Pathfinder or Warhammer or such. But the uh, there are many, many players, probably the majority of the players who do prefer D&D in this, uh, this way, you know, with a little more flexibility. So now that they finally figured this out, I don't know why it took them 40 years, but they finally figured it out. They are leaning more heavily into that, and I'm glad they finally found their spot, their place. They found what makes them work, and they know they have a good idea of where to go from here. Now, as far as going from here, there are there's there's a lot going on in the D and D universe right now. Uh, they're talking about the next iteration of the game. You know, currently we're on fifth edition. They're talking about the next iteration of the game. They're talking about getting rid of the whole edition system and they're uh trying to make a more fluid system that is uh backwards compatible with previous editions and going forward they're uh they don't want to actually release new editions of the game they want to release campaign settings and modules and things like that and make changes to the rules here or there they're focusing, they're putting a big focus on online play, which is great because, you know, after what happened with COVID, uh, that also helped a lot of, helped bring a lot of people into the hobby because people were locked, you know, in lockdown, isolated in their homes and they couldn't go out and hang out with their friends or anything. And so they, but they wanted to play D&D. So they started playing online and it's great. And uh, the two campaigns that I've got going on, I've got uh, players around the world, literally, playing in my games right now. And, uh, and it's awesome because I, there are people not just in different parts of this country or, you know, there are people on the other side of the world playing in my games. And it's bringing a lot of people together. It's opening... It's making the community larger, in a sense, uh, because you have uh, you're able to connect with those other players in other parts of the world. Definitely, and it uh, online play. Uh, granted, it's not for everyone. There are people who still like to have their you know their minis and their maps and. So it's, and you can do that online, absolutely. You know, there are virtual tabletops that allow you to do that online. But uh, there are a lot of people who like to do it purely by theater of the mind. But the, um, you know, doing it through mediums like Discord or Zoom or something like that, 
you know, you can do a D&D game just purely theater of the mind. And so D&D right now is they're leaning into the online aspect of the game. They're welcoming in the 21st century. And, you know, this is where people are now. People are online. People use digital tools. They have their uh, rule books and compendiums on their tablets or their laptops. That's where the world is now. And that's where the player base is now. And uh, so they're leaning into that. They're putting a lot of effort into building their online options. You know, of course, they have their critics. Uh, anytime there's going to be some kind of activity coming from, you know, the corporate side, people are going to say, oh, they're ruining my the thing that I love. They're not ruining it. I don't believe they are. Now, uh, I my concern is that, you know, recently, here the last couple of years, they, they started leaning more heavily, uh, you know, into the silliness of D&D, like, for instance, Spelljammer. As excited as I am about Spelljammer, they really leaned into the more absurd and silly and campy ideas of uh, classic fantasy and science fiction. And so you have you have races like killer clowns in the game. <laughs> right? Uh, or uh, anthropomorphic penguin people. All right. Uh, they are leaning really heavily into that silly side of the game. And they're coming out with more rules and more uh, campaign settings that lean even further into this. Uh, personally, I'm concerned about this. I mean, it's great. You know, kind of doing a little wink and nod at the players, a little tongue in cheek. Uh, content is fine. I, I'm afraid that they may be leaning a little too much, starting to lean a little too much into the camp side of it. Now, does does that have anything to do with? I I believe I saw that they D and D the game itself was recently purchased by somebody. Am I correct in saying that? No. Uh, no. D and D is owned by Wizards of the Coast, which is owned by Hasbro. That's what it was. So Wizards of the Coast, it was Wizards of the Coast that was recently purchased, wasn't it? No. No? Uh, no. We were just talking about that a few months ago. D no, D&D &D just recently acquired D&D &D Beyond. That's what it was. Okay. See, D&D &D Beyond was an online uh, resource for uh, you know, and marketplace and virtual tabletop where you could play your, you know, your D&D &D games and have electronic copies of all your source books and materials and they had for a long time they've had a partnership with dungeons and dragons but uh dnd just officially uh, recently officially acquired dnd beyond so dnd beyond is now officially part of the dnd family wizards of the coast bought dnd from its original company tsr back in the early 90s, and then in the late 80s, early 1000s, somewhere, Hasbro acquired uh, Wizards of the Coast. Okay. Yeah, that was actually going to bring me to, with you talking about the online gaming, or online versions of the game, I was actually, it was actually brought me to, when mm -hmm. I played mine, my campaign, 
with my friends uh, back in California, we actually ended up using Roll20 as our virtual tabletop. So is Roll20 just like D&D Beyond? Not just like D&D Beyond, exactly. Uh, There are uh, similarities between the two. And there are people who love both. Uh, a D&D Beyond has their devotees. Roll20 has their devotees. Personally, I prefer D&D Beyond. I think, <laughs> I think Roll20 needs a big overhaul. It did. <laughs> uh, yeah, from my experience so far, I kind of agree with Coffee on that one. Uh, one thing I like about Roll20 is the map, the ability to have a map there physical. But I think that they're missing a lot of content. Oh, but you can do that on D&D Beyond as well, though. Yeah, but we haven't done that with any of the campaigns that I've been a part of so far, so I didn't know that. <laughs> uh, it's coming up in hours. Okay. I'll be I'll be making use of them. Yeah, but yes, you can. Uh, but that is one of the the good aspects of Roll Twenty. I will say the you know the map and the possibilities that you can do. You know, different things you can do with the maps. I just I honest personally, I feel that the interface the user interface with roll 20 is um yeah it did it, seem, it just needs to be overhauled it did seem the whole thing outdated. needs to be overhauled and it is not all that user friendly uh D beyond is much more user friendly much more intuitive yeah uh one thing that's really neat about roll 20 though is it is not D exclusive they have partnerships with many other companies and many other products titles that you can play through their uh their platform and so that's why a lot of people prefer d uh roll 20 they can play pathfinder on uh roll uh roll 20 or vampire the masquerade yeah isn't or, that uh that marvel that marvel game that you had sent me the book on only on roll 20 at this point yes the one that's not a full release version of the game. It was a pre pre release book. Yeah, it's a it's in playtest version uh, uh, right now, and yeah, uh, they have a thing going with Roll Twenty currently, so you Makes can uh, you can play through there. And, and really, that's why people a lot of people like Roll Twenty is because it is they can play different games, different game systems through that uh, that platform. Whereas with uh, D&D Beyond, it is exclusive to D&D. Yeah, that, uh, that Marvel game I mentioned, Chris, is I think that might be your area of interest. I know you're not big on D&D, but you basically can create... I was exploring it with coffee, and you can basically create any superhero with any superpowers that you can think of with the, with the rules set in, in that, That'd be interesting. In that book that we've got now. Yeah, the uh, the the Marvel game. Uh, I, I'm really excited about where the Marvel game is going. Uh, right now, the system they have is somewhat broken, and the the rules are vague in different areas. If you're running a Marvel Mar- Marvel Multiverse is the name of it. If you're running a Marvel Multiverse session, a game, you really got to make some D and D executive decisions basically uh, i mean dungeon master or game master executive decisions like i'm just gonna have to rule it this way because the book is really vague on that yeah and that's kind of why that game kind of fell through that we tried to test uh 
the original character that I made was a cross between Iron Man, Intelligence, and... Crap, what's the guy from X-Men that I crossed I mean, there's with? a lot of X-Men, so... I don't remember. Like, are you talking like Professor yeah. X? Okay. Gambit? Yeah, th- yes, Gambit. There you go. Okay. No, it was a cross between it was a cross between Iron Man and Gambit was the right. test player that I had for when we were testing out. Be a pretty the interesting superhero. Uh, the game has a lot of potential. Uh, I just there are some kinks that they need to iron out and some rules that they they really need to revise on it. They they have been saying that they expect the first volume of the book to be published next year. We'll see. Meanwhile, I mean, I'd be absolutely willing to give the game another another go. Yeah, yeah we'll see, and we'll we'll kind of uh, announce that in the Discord if we decide to do that. For right now, though, I don't want to get too heavy into that topic. Right. I do kind of want to get this episode wrapped up for the day. I do appreciate you come being able to join us today, Coffee, and all your knowledge and expertise on D&D because this is definitely not a topic it, yeah, that me and Chris not. should be discussing by ourselves. And we knew that. <laughs> right. Well, thanks for having me here. I uh, appreciate you having me with you today. If I may add one thing. Uh, one thing that I really enjoy about being a Dungeon Master is introducing new players to this game. And I think that's one reason why I'm having so much fun right now is because I have at least half of the players that I have in these campaigns are brand new to the game. I really enjoy introducing people to this game and I think I'm very good at it. And all of my players so far seem to approve of my style. So there are any listeners who anyone listening to this, who always wanted to play, try D and D you can find information for discord in the show notes. Yep, we will have all of the links for the Discord, as well as our social media, Twitter. We'll even include uh, Brian's details there for everybody, for anybody who wants to go follow him specifically. It'll be down in the description for you. Uh, On our website, we are planning to have a blog post. Yes, I just want to remind everybody the importance of writing reviews. We really appreciate any of you that are willing to write reviews for us. It helps us to grow our content for you all, and it helps to support the podcast, especially when it comes to Apple Podcasts, because in order to remain relevant in that system, we need the listeners and we need reviews. Feel free to leave us a review. Let us know how we did, any changes that you'd like to see, or maybe any topics that you'd like us to discuss in the future. We'd really appreciate it. Thank you all for listening.